Support for Industry Focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today's sector is healthcare, and it is April 26th. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and Fool.com healthcare contributor Todd Campbell is calling in to Fool HQ in Alexandria, Virginia. Hi, Todd. What's new? Hi, Christine. It's Wednesday, and that means I give all the listeners the update on the weather forecast for lovely New Hampshire. <laughs> all right. Let's hear it. Rainy, cloudy, and chilly. Okay, okay. the worst weather you could want I have for a someone feeling... in New Hampshire who's just so <laughs> eager to see some sunshine and, and get the warm weather going. But it's a perfect day <laughs> to sit down and chat with you. All right. Um, fun fact about D.C. weather today, it is supposed to be the warmest at midnight because it's going to be so darn hot tomorrow that it's just going to get warmer and warmer all day today. So the high is at like 11.59 p.m. That is a fun fact. <laughs> there you have it, the weather report. And now on to healthcare. So on today's show, we will be covering pharmacy benefit managers and also looking at how insurers have fared under the first 100 days of Trump's presidency. But first, we wanted to give a quick answer for Shiraz, one of our listeners who is currently stationed in Tokyo, and wanted us to cover the Fresenius and Acorn deal. And I hope that I'm saying that word right, Fresenius, um, which is a German healthcare giant. And they acquired this smaller drug maker called Acorn yesterday in a $4.3 billion deal. Yeah, so Fresenius is very well known probably to, to many people if if they if you've driven by and you've seen their dialysis centers. Okay. It's it's a very large European company, but they get 70% plus of their sales here in North America, and they get the bulk of all of their revenue by providing these services to dialysis patients. And what we're seeing them do recently, called the last year or so, they've got a new CEO in place who's very, very uh, focused on diversifying out his revenue stream. And specifically, he wants to bulk up his exposure to medicine. And as part of that, he is agreed to spend $4.3 billion on Acorn plus, plus assumed debt. And that works out to about $34 a share. Right. And so there's a couple of different reasons why they're doing this. As you mentioned, this is a company that's looking to expand. They've had a bunch of different deals around Europe, and this buyout will actually expand their geographical footprint within the U.S. as well, particularly because it gives them access to Acorn's distribution channels. And so the deal is supposed to be accretive to net income by 2018. And this has been really, really good news for Acorn shareholders. Yeah, there's a huge pop in, in shares because this was a nice, big, fat premium. Um, I, I think that you know one of the things that's, that always comes up when you talk about deals like this is, well, do you think that there could be another suitor that would emerge? Should I stay in my Acorn shares or should I should I just sell them? You have to realize that you know this is an international company buying Acorn. There's going to be some review uh, that needs to occur from a regulatory perspective. Deal probably won't close until 2018. Personally. Who knows if somebody else steps up and tries to make a counter bid? I don't think that the odds are necessarily high for that. And I tend to, to always advise people to say, no, it, 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 usually it's dead money. I mean, this is not a stock deal. Uh, I think that Fresenius said that they're going to finance it by taking on some debt. 
So, you know, it's not like you're going to hang on and then eventually get the Fresenius shares. It doesn't sound like to me from reading the through the press releases. Um, it, you know, so I think that you're probably your money is probably best used use somewhere else. Right. Because of the opportunity cost. Right. I mean, there could potentially be some triage opportunity. I think shares today are a little bit over thirty three dollars and change. But that is not worth it to wait until 2018 to gain less than a dollar per share. Um, so, I mean, the way that I see this, I, I agree with you, Todd. I don't think that anyone else is going to swoop in here. There's been speculation about this deal for quite a while. And actually, the majority of the pop in the stock happened when the rumors were leaked rather than the confirmation, which came out yesterday. But I, I don't see somebody else stepping in here and making an even bigger offer. And if that does happen, I will be quite surprised. So, if I were a shareholder, I would probably just collect my cash now and exit, put your money to work elsewhere. It's probably a better bet, Christine, to take a look at Fresenius shares. You know, I mean, you know, that's a company that's growing high single digits uh, on the top line and on the bottom line. Obviously, he, you know, it's being run to uh, by someone who is expansion focused, focused on growing the company. Um, and you know, usually these foreign companies they fly a little bit underneath the radar for investors. So sometimes there can be opportunities in looking at these companies that are a little bit more underfollowed. Uh, than some of the big names that we're familiar with, more familiar with here in the U.S. Right. Plus, you get that international diversification, which is helpful if you want to be fully diversified. Cool. Good advice. Support for Industry Focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust and who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Thanks again so much to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for supporting our podcast. So I mentioned right at the beginning of the show that at some point we were going to talk about pharmacy benefit managers, which are also PBMs. We'll probably refer to them exclusively by the acronym. And that time is now. So we have some news to dig into regarding one of the nation's major PBMs. But first, I figure we should probably give some background on what exactly is a PBM. Okay, so to keep it very, very top level and make it easy to understand, each one of these payers, insurers, okay, or could be a company uh, that self-insures their their employees, has to go out individually and negotiate with drug makers on pricing. Well, that's not very efficient, right? You're not likely to get the best deal because you know you don't have a lot of bargaining power. So what PBMs do is they allow a lot of different insurers and different uh, payers to bond, to bond together under this umbrella, uh, and they'll negotiate the best price for you, pass along that savings to you, and then take a small piece uh, for themselves. Right. So they're basically leveraging their size to try to get prices down, and they take a cut of those savings. 
Um, because of that, I think they've kind of been painted in a somewhat sketchy light lately, especially by drug makers saying, hey, we're not responsible for astronomical drug prices. It's actually the PBMs. And I don't know, I think they've been kind of successful in tainting the reputation of PBMs, which that might not even be the right way to phrase it, because I don't think they had a reputation before people really started thinking about this issue. But now I think, I think, yeah, Christine, I think that a, a few years ago, they were being looked at as part of the solution. And yeah. I think that the drug industry has painted them now as part of the problem, and they've done a pretty good job uh, marketing that um, to to individuals. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I personally don't really know what my opinion is on whether they're good guys or not, but it, I just think it's important to understand that they are part of this whole relationship, and they are just one more cog in the wheel, whatever that phrase is. They're one more piece of this puzzle, and they're going to take a cut, and so they are part of the equation of why drug prices are the way they are, for better or for worse. Right. Either the, you know, obviously the argument would be that they have to save you more, you know, and they're only taking a cut of what those savings would be. So if mm -hmm. they didn't exist, the cost would actually be higher. That would be the, the counter argument, if you will, right. uh, in the value that they add. But maybe that value that they're adding isn't as great as it sounds, at least according to Anthem. Exactly. And so that brings us to the, the newsy part of this segment and why we want to address this to begin with. So Express Scripts, which is one of the major United States uh, PBMs, lost about 12% of their stock price yesterday, Tuesday, on news that Anthem, which is one of the big health insurers, is not planning on renewing its contracts that it had with Express Scripts when they get to their expiration in 2019. This is an ongoing battle between uh, Anthem and Express Scripts yeah, that this has is been ugly. going on for more than a year. Yeah, so it was the very first thing that Express Scripts addressed in their earnings call, and they basically said, "Hey, this is the, the latest on this deal. You know, Anthem has signaled to us that they're not." There, there's no way that we can reach a compromise, and so they're not going to renew their contract. And Express Scripts, to their credit, they were extremely transparent about exactly what will happen financially when slash if they lose this, as well as some other big clients. Um, Anthem, in general, has been very, very pushy about uh, demanding things from Express Scripts. They want Express Scripts to give them $3 billion a year um, in order to keep this contract, which when Express Scripts opened up their books and said, hey, look, this is how much money we're making from this deal. This is what you're asking for. It just wasn't possible to make those ends meet. Yeah, there, there's some language in the... Okay, so the, this all began back in 2009 when Anthem sold their PBM, internal PBM business to Express Scripts, and at the time inked a 10-year deal for Express Scripts to, you know, handle this part of the business for them, okay? Right, hence the and, 2019 expiration. Yeah, so as part of that language, they were supposed to be able to get some price rebating back at the end of the year, and they had been projecting that to be a fairly large sum. Last year, uh, Anthem came out and said, hey, listen, you know, we think that Express Scripts is charging us $3 billion a year too much uh, uh, for the drugs that it's handling for us. Um, basically, they're not passing along those savings to us that they had promised to pass along. And, you know, shortly thereafter, Anthem filed a lawsuit for to, uh, saying to Express Scripts, either pay up uh, or we're, we're going to walk away. Give us, give us the option of either or. Obviously, the two could not find the middle ground on this, and that's what prompted Express Scripts finally to say, uh, on their earnings call, listen, they've told us they're not going to renew in 2019, and that means that we're going to lose a big chunk 
of our EBITDA. And to put that in perspective for investors and why this was such a big deal and caused shares to plummet, you know, it, last year, uh, Anthem's business represented almost a third of Express Scripts EBITDA. So it's, this is a, a very substantial, their biggest customer, very substantial part of their business. So no wonder investors were like, oh my God, where are we going? What, what's going on? What's going to happen in, in a few years? Right. And Express Scripts stock has suffered pretty considerably because of this. They're down about 30% since the fighting with Anthem began. But if you look at the aftermath and what actually is going to happen, it'll take a little bit of time to be fully felt. Um, when Anthem first came to Express Scripts back in 2009, as you were saying, it took three full years for the transition. So even post-2019, the impact won't be immediate. But still, it will be really difficult to replace this business. You know, I, I can't imagine what other health insurer Express Scripts might try to forge a deal with to replace what they're losing with Anthem. I mean, you have United Healthcare, that's a huge insurer, but they have their own PBM. Humana has its own. Cigna has a 10-year contract in uh, with uh, Catamaran, which was acquired by UNH. And then Aetna, they have a contract with CVS, which also has a PBM that expires in 2019. So that could be that could be kind of interesting. Um, yeah, this is a, an area where these are they're always companies and, and payers moving back and forth, but it's usually not the big ones. It's usually not the players like like Anthem, right? Because they're long term contracts. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. Now, I think that in, in you may look at the share today shares today if you're listening to it on the day we we record here, and say, well, but shares are up, okay? And that's because. There was some conversation on Anthem's investor call today that said that, the, that indicated that maybe the door was still open for some negotiation. Now, obviously, Express Scripts doesn't want to give Anthem all the money uh, that Anthem wants. Anthem seems to want that money. I don't know where they find them or how they find the middle ground. But um, it is giving a little bit of a of support after that big drop in shares today, at least. Right. And Express Scripts has made it very clear that they're still willing to negotiate. I mean, it, it seems like Anthem's kind of playing hardball here, but I wouldn't honestly be shocked if Anthem ended up finding some way to compromise. You know, one of the takeaways here, Christine, for investors should be always be a little bit cautious when one customer accounts for a very big percentage of a company's business, right? Absolutely. That's a great takeaway. Yeah, the, that, that single risk factor is not something to be discounted. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go in and make some money on Express Scripts. I, I mean, I think there's there's still a need for uh, for a business like Express Scripts. The debate would be, though, is Express Scripts the biggest player in the PBM business, or the best player, I should say, from here in the PBM business? I mean, maybe CVS is the best player because they have the most gain. Yeah. Uh, if CVS won Anthem, that would certainly make them the biggest PBM. Yeah, and um, you've also got the the potential for United Healthcare, which is a little bit more, but obviously a lot more diversified because it runs its own PBM, but it also you know has all this. It's the largest health insurer as well. So you know, an investor may not want to, maybe they don't want to own a PBM and a separate health insurer in their portfolio, but they want you know a combination of the two. Well, United Healthcare fits the bill in that way. Right, lots of different ways to work that. So we cover the PBM side. Let's pivot now to the insurer side. Um, Todd, this was your idea that you wanted to talk about uh, post 100 days of Trump. Or I guess we're coming up on it where it's in less than a week at this point. How are the major health insurers doing? 
Yeah, we're up. We're Trump 100 day watch, and uh, we want to know what the impact is on insurers, right? We we came into uh, 2017 expecting that there would be a repeal and replacement deal put forth in Washington. Uh, we were somewhat. I was a little surprised that it happened as quickly as it did, um, but sure enough. Uh, it, it, Things get are hard to do when you're talking about winning support from so many different uh, people in in both the House and potentially later on in the Senate. And as a result, that derailed uh, Trump's first foray to try and repeal and replace. That was called the American Health Care Act, which you and I, Christine, discussed at some length in a show uh, a couple months back, if anybody wants to go back and listen to that. Uh, so obviously, you know, Trump has a huge, uh, as part of his policy agenda, uh, health insurance was going to be a huge part of that. Um, so I thought it might be helpful to go back and say, okay, well, we're, we're one quarter in, Q1 in, in the books. How did health insurers do? Uh, were there any evidence that, was there any evidence that, that, you know, Trump's election is a good or a bad thing, or is it just business as usual? Right. So let's start uh, first off with United Healthcare, who we've already mentioned a little bit on the show today that they are an enormous health insurer in the United States. And they are kind of an interesting case because they basically opted out of Obamacare by saying, hey, we're not making any money here, so we'd rather not. No thanks. And so that put them in a kind of an interesting position looking at healthcare reform, because you would think that because of their lack of exposure to Obamacare, it wouldn't really affect them much whether Obamacare was repealed and replaced or not. How did that end up panning out? Well, it was all up, it's all upside for, for United Health. If you think about it that way, right? They were losing money on the Obamacare plan, so they stopped selling them, right? So that brings them back to flat. Now, if, the, if a replacement plan gets put in, and theoretically, it becomes more it's more favorable to insurers, which I think, broadly speaking, people were anticipating that it would be more broad, uh, more profitable for insurers because, you know, you need to have insurers play ball to be able to have any kind of a system succeed. Right. So I think that there was a potential for a lot of upside. But, you know, it's really just business as usual for United Healthcare in Q1. You know, this is like, like you mentioned, a Goliath. They're going to expect it to do two hundred billion dollars in revenue this year. And if you look at their Q1 numbers, premiums alone were up 12% to $39 billion. So they made 12% more on premiums uh, year over year in the quarter. And of course, that translated into earnings growth too. So, you know, you had non cash, uh, I'm sorry, non gap EPS that was reported in the quarter of $2.37. That was up 31%. So you've got earnings growing much more quickly than revenue and both of them growing solidly in the double digits. Right. As you mentioned, United Health is extremely diversified. They are huge. Let's look at the other side of the spectrum there at a, a more niche player like uh, Centene, who is mostly a Medicaid player. Centene's an interesting story too, right? Because if the replacement plan had got put into place, then you'd be wondering, okay, well, what's going to happen with Medicaid expansion states? Centene gets the majority of the bulk of its business from running Medicaid programs for different states. And part of the replacement plan uh, was to cap enrollment in Medicaid expansion states at 2020 and then block grant money to states from therein, which created would create uh, a significant amount of uncertainty for their business. So again, since this is on hold, it's business as usual for the for the company. They reported strong revenue growth, but again, that's a little messy because they did an acquisition last year. So it's probably better to look at their EPS growth. And in the quarter, their earnings growth 
was up 51%. They reported $1.12 in non-GAAP EPS. So this is a company, obviously, that's that's making some money. And it's important to recognize that not only are they interesting at, at a minimum, to recognize that while United Healthcare has said we don't want to be have any part of Obamacare, Centene has said we think it's a good business to be in, and in fact we're looking to expand our participation in it uh, in 2018, assuming that everything is continues as is. They handle about 1.1 million um, Obamacare enrollees, and that's up from 680 something thousand last year. Two completely different approaches. So let's touch on one more, and I'm picking them because we were just talking about them in the PBM section, but how about Anthem? Yeah, Anthem just reported this morning. I unfortunately, they, they don't, I have wasn't able to listen to the conference call yet to my agenda for later on, uh, but I did go through and tear through the press release. And again, like United Healthcare, I mean, United Healthcare is the biggest, right? Anthem is the second biggest. Everything seems to be going well. Now, Anthem still participates in Obamacare. You know, they, they offer plans in, I think it's like a dozen states, something like that. And they reported total revenue was up to 11% to $22.5 billion. So again, strong double-digit year-over-year growth. And their non-GAAP earnings per share in the quarter was $4.68, which was up 35% year-over-year. So regardless of all of the other chatter that we hear about Obamacare, not Obamacare, or whatever, you look at United Healthcare's results and Anthem's results, and from a, a growth perspective on the top and bottom line, they're kind of comparable. I mean, it doesn't seem like you know, not participating or participating is really that big of a, a needle mover in terms of how much these are, companies are growing year over year. Yeah, that's interesting. One other point that stood out to me when I was looking at this, I was looking earlier today at different lobbying budgets across healthcare, and the America's Health Insurer Plans uh, lobbying pl uh, company, they decreased their budget going from 2016 to 2017, which really stood out in contrast to what some other healthcare lobbyists were doing. That was a 25% decline in their budget. Of the top 25 spenders in that area, they were one of just four to cut their budgets. And this is the group that represents Anthem, Cigna, Centene, Humana. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just I. I I think it's a really interesting dynamic to see what is going on in Washington. How are the different lobbyists reacting to it? How are the different insurers reacting to it? And then how are the stock prices reacting to it? And this is absolutely still something that remains in limbo, but it's still kind of fun to tease out the effects of of the chatter. Yeah, it's you know of all of these uh, these companies that we discussed today, if you want to go back and read one earnings transcript for for interest, go read Centene's because they really put this front and center and talked a lot about Obamacare and how tough it might be uh, or the challenges as it might be to unwind it and to get something a replacement plan across the finish line. This is not going to be easy. You know, the AHCA, they didn't vote on it yet. There's a lot of chatter that it may uh, be brought back out in, in front of legislators to vote on. Who knows how that middle ground will be found uh, in the House? And then it's going to go to the Senate and middle ground has to be found there. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, the point that Centene's management was trying to make is we're ready to adapt to whatever the market throws at us. As it stands today, We'll, 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 we're okay and we're doing fine. And if it changes, we'll adapt to it. And I think that that's a big takeaway for, for investors that, yeah, you know, never underestimate insurance companies' ability to adapt to a changing marketplace. So they're optimistic. 
And whatever does happen, we will have you covered here on Industry Focus Healthcare. As we wrap up our episode, I wanted to point out that you can always get the show transcripts of our episodes online by searching for that episode. Or if you can't find it that way, feel free to email me at industryfocus@fool.com. I must have mumbled the name of Pasira Pharmaceuticals last week on the Opioid Addiction Show because a bunch of you wrote in asking me what the company name was. So in case you didn't hear it but also didn't email me, the ticker is PCRX. It's Pasira Pharmaceuticals. So hopefully that uh, scratches that curiosity itch. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!